This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Previously on Colors. Another episode of Listeners Speak Out. Your comments. Hello, this is Dimitri Sotis. I'm a white journalist on the radio in D.C. My name is Jamie Stockwell, and despite my last name, I'm actually Mexican-American and only one-sixteenth white. My name is Anjali Chong, and I am Korean-American living just outside of Seattle, Washington. I'm John Boyd, black male from uh, Boyton, Virginia. Remarkable and controversial stories from remarkable and controversial people. Today, black Americans are faced with, with something we've never been faced with before. That is not only the, the fr- uh, freedom that we never had, but the goodwill of the American people. Coming up in this episode of Colors. A new study is out. One of the questions in it was this. To the best of your knowledge, has this child ever experienced any of the following, treated or judged unfairly because of their race or ethnic group? Part of the problem, I feel like, is that indigenous voices are not heard. Um, a lot of times we're not covered in the news. Um, and, and so I think that we need to have a greater discussion about what is going on with these children, um, particularly given just the historical ramifications of how American Indian and indigenous children have been treated in the United States. Researchers Micah Hartwell and Amy Hendricks, a part of the Cherokee Nation, join us to break it down. That's coming up in this episode of Colors. Simmering racial tensions. Segregation now and tomorrow and forever. Fighting injustice. I have a dream. Conflict looming. Brutality exposed. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. The search for solutions starts here. From WTOP in Washington, D.C. This is Colors. A dialogue on race in America with J.J. Green. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. My name is Micah Hartwell, um, clinical assistant professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Oklahoma State University, um, Center for Health Sciences, and I'm the director of Office of Medical Student Research at at OSU at the Palakau Nation campus at Tricky Nation. My name is Amy Hendricks-Dicken. I am the senior staff research assistant for um, the Department of Pediatrics at OU Tulsa School of Community Medicine. My name is J.J. Green. I'm black, and this is colors. It sound right, boy. There's a new study, and uh, you both have been involved in it. And the upshot of this study is that indigenous and black children increasingly experiencing racism. This is according to a study. It was published in the Journal of Osteopathic Medicine. Both of you played a significant role in the production of this study, uh, along with some colleagues, obviously. Um, and uh, you're joining us today to talk about this particular study. So uh, I'd like to start off with the, the obvious question. Why did you do the study? Amy, would you go first, please? Um, sure. So Dr. Hartwell reached out to me um, to ask if I wanted to be part of this team Um knowing that I'm working towards a a PhD kind of focusing on um, policy and how it impacts indigenous children's health. 
Um, and so it was kind of a no brainer for me as a member of the Cherokee Nation. I definitely wanted to be a part of um, looking at this and, and advocating for the well-being of children. Okay, Dr. Hartwell, um, you reached out to her. So what uh, gave you the impetus to do that? Uh, so I, my research team at uh, the Cherokee Nation is called Stride, and it's um, Student Research Investigations and Disparity and Equity. And a lot of the themes that we look at are disparities um, within different groups. And um, a lot of my focus happens to be on pediatric uh, populations. So um, we were doing a couple of different studies using the National Survey of Children's Health. And uh, uh, one of the questions that they specifically asked in um, while they're collecting uh, adverse childhood experiences was, um, and this is, so the, the question is actually from parent report and um, it's based on the item, to the best of your knowledge, has this child ever experienced any of the following treated or judged unfairly because of their race or ethnic group was, was one of them. And I, that really stood out to me because um, over the past, you know, political cycle, I know that yeah. seems daily now, but you know, over the last um, four to six years, it's the 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 constant coverage um, of political rhetoric, especially um, towards minority groups, has uh, significantly increased. There's lots of studies that showed that, um, and it's just a constant daily thing. Um, and here, well, in that Oklahoma, played a big part. Sorry to interrupt. That played a big oh, yeah. part in your decision to do the study. Yeah, yeah. So our, our yeah. hypothesis, you know, stemmed from that. And, um, you know, the 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 um, overarching hypothesis is like given the constant media and political attention around uh, race from 2016 to 2020 regarding immigration, the origin of COVID-19, critical race theory, police violence towards community of color and towards indigenous communities such as at Standing Rock. Okay. Uh, we wanted to assess the, the trends in childhood discrimination um, okay. and this data set you know, allowed us to do that. Okay. Who or, or what demographics or people were part of the study? Um, so the National Survey of Children's Health is a nationally representative survey um, that's conducted by HRSA. Um, so it's nationally representative um, of all um, U.S. residents. And um, within our study, we looked at um, all minority, or well, we actually looked at, at all children um, between the ages of, of three and 17. And um, then according to the race demographics provided by National Survey of Children's Health, um, broke it down accordingly. Mm -hmm. um, so it's supposed to be, you know, um, a very large data set representative of children's health, current health, and um, and their experiences. Okay. What were your findings? Amy, you want to lead on that one? So, um, you know, part of our findings um, that they were kind of shocking to me um, was the fact that, you know, indigenous children were facing such significant discrimination rates um, across the study time period. Um, the two that really stuck out, like I said, indigenous and also black children. Um, and so when we were kind of looking, we wanted to look at everyone, um, but kind of seeing this angry increase, particularly among these two groups in that five year time period, um, was kind of at least for the indigenous children, I wasn't necessarily expecting that originally. Um, but yeah, so um, both of those um, rose, I want to say, fairly significantly um, 
I can actually just get the the full numbers. While she's looking for that number, Dr. Hartwell, uh, your thoughts about your findings? Um, I, like I said, the hypothesis was that that children experiencing racial discrimination would have increased over that time. Um, and overall, they we know that they did. Um, one of the questions we got in one of our other interviews was like, um, can you explain the 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 change overall um, and how that's important? And um, so over this time period, all minority children um, in 2016 experience among all children, 6.7 um, percent uh, were reported to have experienced discrimination, which went 6.7 to 9.3 percent. Uh, so like a 2.6 you know, percent increase um, in that four year span, um, which is really significant um, because you're going from, um, you know, almost, you know, one in 150 to, to one in, or one in, um, you know, 25 to one in 10 almost. Um, but the, the findings were significant among um, Black and Indigenous children, like um, Amy said, um, while the overall number was like 6.7% in 2016 for Black and Indigenous children, it was approximately 10 and a half percent. Um, and then in 2020, it was more than 15%. So overall, among those groups, we're basically talking about one in six children in 2020 from those two groups experienced child uh, child racial discrimination. Amy, you mentioned early in this uh, discussion uh, being a member of the Cherokee Nation and 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 the the impact or at least the importance of this work. What have you drawn or taken from what you found? I think you said you found it a little surprising uh, earlier in this interview. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I think part of the problem, um, this really made me step back and reflect a lot. Um, part of the problem, I feel like, is that Indigenous voices are not heard. Um, a lot of times we're not covered in the news. Um, and, and so I think that we need to have a greater discussion about what is going on with these children, um, particularly given just the historical ramifications of how American Indian and Indigenous children have been treated in the United States. Um, so this has caused me to kind of step back and um, take a lot of inventory about, well, what can we do for children, particularly in northeastern Oklahoma, where we have such a, a prevalent um, number of tribes and tribal members to try to improve outcomes for these kids? You, you know, um, it's really interesting um, that you, you, you're mentioning this this need for greater coverage of these issues. And uh, as you probably have noticed, if you look back through some of our previous programs, we've tried to 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 attack these problems. One of the things that we've run into um, is response um, from some of the groups, uh, some of the tribes we've reached out to. And I'm not sure if it's because um, they are not set up to respond to issues directly. Um, so let me ask this question then, in terms of your study, in terms of the research, how did you go about reaching out to these groups? Dr. Hartwell, do you want to take that one? Well, so for this particular study, um, the data was already, it was collected by HRSA. So it's, it's, it's publicly available for anybody to access. Um, we wanted to use this as a, as a starting off point to um, gauge the significance of, of, of the trends of, over this time period. And, you know, our future research is going to focus on um, more uh, direct interaction and involvement. So um, since this is already available and publicly available, um, 
you know, we didn't have to reach or, or, or build those relationships. We, oh. you know, being from the Cher- Cherokee nation, like we should have some, some really good starting off points, but this is uh gauging the prevalence of the problem kind of study. So basically you crunched the numbers and made sense of what they had already discovered. Right. Okay. So now that you see what's happening here and um, you have this, this information, what is it that you hope this information that you've put into this study can, can accomplish? Um, well, I think number one, bringing a lot of attention to the, to the issue, um, especially, you know, as Amy was saying, um, indigenous populations, um, this not a highly reported thing. Um, just recently has the federal government, uh, launched, uh, indig- uh, Indian school boarding initiative, um, that kind of, um, quant- is qu- still on un- just looking, looking at numbers, quantifying the amount of, um, Indigenous children who suffered um, through, uh, you know, being at an Indian boarding school. Um, but, you know, on the flip side of that, we really want to say, uh, you know, being published in Journal of Osteopathic Medicine, that particular community um, allowed us the opportunity to discuss the historical traumas of each of these groups, but also provide a lot of recommendations going forward. Um, and looking at you know early childhood discrimination um you know one of the things we want to highlight is that it's continuous among all minority groups and um starting at an early age implicit self-bias can develop from media exposure um and then to counteract that in early child education settings it really needs to be um achievements from each of these groups could be um, incorporated in a curriculum to where they have better representation and achievements, um, you know, from either medical examples looking at um, the history of vaccines that were from African traditions or, um, you know, Katherine Johnson being an integral part of, of NASA um, during some of the early Apollo mis- missions and the Project Mercury missions. Um, and that kind of stuff can really, you know, bridge that early um, bias that develops where they ha- there's more representation of minority communities and people of color having these significant ch- achievements. Um, um, and I, I really think that's um, where we need to start. Um, so children have adequate representation of, of multiple multiple p- communities um, and, and have that exposure. Amy, um, What's your main takeaway from the work you've done and uh, the problem set that exists and has existed for a while and the challenge that may lay out there? Um, So I I really think as an indigenous person, what I'm trying to do um, in Oklahoma, kind of in the position that I'm in currently, is teaching people that are going out into the medical field about historical trauma, about the true history um, of the people that are showing up to their clinics to be treated, and how that can interact with health, how it can interact with their interactions with patients. Um, We have a long way to go. and, And I think the first thing, like Dr. Hartwell was saying, was, you know, understanding the history that's there, um, which is becoming increasingly more difficult um, to teach in certain places of the United States, um, and making sure that we're celebrating um, and representing diverse populations and the accomplishments that they've made. Um, Native American and indigenous people were doing a lot of things and inventing a lot of wonderful um, things before um, Europeans uh, started kind of inventing the same thing and then taking credit for it. So 
I think we have a long way to go, but I think if we can start having these conversations and start teaching people, um, that's going to help a lot. Yeah, this is great that you're saying that because you're absolutely correct about the the stolen um, intellectual property um, from Native Americans that that was stolen in this country, um, and and this continues to this day. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up. Um, is there anything that either of you would like to add to this conversation that you think is important that I haven't asked you about today? I I think um, I really like focusing my research on the pediatric population and, um, you know, and, and that community, because that's, you know, the next generation coming up um, is, you know, Gen Z and beyond are really going to be um, the carrier of these, of, of these torches as far as like, being culturally competent and bridging this gap. And, you know, that's what we saw recently um, in some of the political movements. And, you know, I think the American Academy of Pediatrics, um, you know, has, has is doing a really good job of leading the way on that. They've put, in 2019, they put out a, um, some statements where, you know, they call for pediatricians to create welcoming, culturally competent medical practice and advocate for policies. They advocate for policies that advance social justice. Um, and I think that's a huge thing, a huge step for a, a, med a medical organization to do. Um, and it really, you know, medical providers are can open that conversation about racism in their with their patients and recognize racism exists. You know, the APHA has, um, you know, denoted racism as a pu uh, public health crisis um, and a strong social determinant of health. And I think those those two fields of research and uh, medicine can really start leading the way um, as, you know, leaders of our society and, and uh, moving forward. Um, the other thing, I think this is incredibly important um, to, and it's it, it's really relevant um, because of the Supreme Court case that's going on right now, looking at um, the Indigenous Child, or the Indian Child Welfare Act. Um, well, um, the difference in that case is a case more of tribal so sovereignty um, or a political association rather than race, um, you know, it's it's extremely important to highlight and make note of because um, there, there's a cultural aspect to indigenous people's um, heritage that is, is very um, important to keep in our country. Um, and I think that's that's a huge, huge piece that should be probably getting more media attention than it is. Okay. I think what I would probably add to that is just, you know, in 2022, no child should be facing discrimination. Um, we do have the ability to build um, a better world for our kids and a better future. And there are a lot of amazing people across this country doing a lot of really great work and activism. And, um, you know, if people are interested um, for sure, mobilize, start advocating for kids. Um, there's even like as a parent, if you're just trying to, to teach your child about different um, historical figures, there are so many wonderful children's books out there now um, that really highlight and celebrate other cultures. And that's just such a wonderful way to start introducing kids to the fact that so many amazing people have brought so many amazing things to this world. Um, and, and having that mindset kind of formed as they're um, growing up. Well, thank you both for taking time to talk with uh, me about this today. Um, it is extremely important to address these issues 
on a daily basis and to address them on multiple levels. And that includes the, the media level, cultural, social, government, law enforcement, uh, legal, and many other, many other levels. There, there, there are so many different ways in which everything you've pointed out today and talked about has to be addressed. And uh, you've given me something to think about and hopefully our listeners as well. So thank you again. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Stay tuned for some thoughts about race in America and details about our next guest. You're listening to Colors. My name is Man Rashid Arikad. I am Palestinian, was born in Jericho in the West Bank. I consider myself a Palestinian Arab, a Muslim. You know, when you are oppressed, when your freedom is denied, when uh, when you are not enjoying your basic human rights, every time you see another people, another ethnic uh, group, another minority, another um, uh, community suffering from the same thing, you have that natural sympathy and affiliation uh, with them. Uh, I've always I've always followed the history of the United uh, States, the slavery, the treatment uh, of African Americans and other minorities, uh, the Japanese uh, community uh, during World War II, and and you know other other uh, minorities, including Muslims and Arabs in this country in the in the aftermath of the September 11 attacks, and uh, you know I, I I always I always have a strong affiliation with people who suffered. You know, when you suffer and you see other groups suffering, it's natural affiliation with their with their suffering. Uh, Before George Floyd, there have been many cases in which, uh, you know, African-Americans were 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 killed uh, and and uh, uh, unjustifiably so. And uh, uh, I am glad that America is finally waking up uh, to that, you know, I mean, the rate at which African Americans are being killed uh, by by police is three times as 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 much as whites. And uh, I'm not saying that all police are bad. No, I think we need a strong police force in this country to protect us. Yes, but there has to be reforms in order to teach these police officers how to deal with different situations. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. If you have any questions or comments about Colors, send us an email. You can reach us at colors at thecolorspodcast.com. That's colors at thecolorspodcast.com. My name is Jerry. I'm an African-American from Bowie, Maryland, by way of St. Croix, U.S. Virgin Islands. My name is Katie Musselman. I am a Korean adoptee who was raised and currently live in Harleysville, Pennsylvania. My name is Ken Duffy. I am white, first-generation Irish-American born in New York. My name is Gwendolyn Hume. I am Anishinaabe. I grew up in northwestern Ontario. My name is J.J. Green. I'm black. And this is Colors. Coming up in our next episode of Colors. Racism, 
When it comes to African Americans, is it primarily coming from people or is it coming from a structure? A new study has been published and you may find the results a bit surprising. We'll take a deep look into that. That's coming up in our next episode of Colors. Time to go. And in the process, I want to say thank you to some folks. The Cherokee Nation, the Greeter Publishing, Oklahoma State University, Oklahoma University. I want to thank Hillary Howard, Mike Jakaitis. Thanks to Julia Ziegler, Joel Oxley. Thank you to the Core family, the Green family. Thank you to the Height family. For the music, we want to say thank you to Jesse Gallagher. Thank you to Cosmic. Thank you to Off Shane. And most of all, thank you to you for continuing to listen to us and continuing to support us. We appreciate that. There are some changes coming. We'll let you know exactly what they are soon, but you'll like them. And as always, as always, please keep talking to each other. And just as important, keep listening to each other. You can subscribe to Colors on Apple, Spotify, Podcast DC, Podcast One, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America.